0: 50 years younger, and I'd kick your ass. It's over! Mamba Mia, he's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Never known in 30 odd years in the business a head to head to take place only a hundred or so hours before the first bell. He's not a kid, he's a grown man. We're going to see, you know, come Saturday. Is that a man that can put fear in? Not at all. Do you see anything in him? Anything different? Do you think he realises that this could be a harder fight than maybe he thinks? I mean, I don't think he realises that he is going to have his hands full. All I care about is winning. My job is to go out there and win. Fighting one of the best top fighters in the world. It's about how you come into a fight and I've trained very hard. We're gonna see who the best is on Saturday night. Welcome, fight fans to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with your host Sean Bastow. Now before we get into today's episode, we just need to give a shout out to the sponsors for the podcast, Bear Attack Boxing. You've heard me talk about them in every episode. They do high quality boxing gloves. They are going to be launching more high quality boxing, MMA Muay Thai kit boxing equipment very, very shortly. So please go and take a look at their website, which is www.bearattackboxing.co.uk, and Bear Attack Boxing all over social media and before you get into the episode please take a moment to go and subscribe to us on whichever podcasting app you are using we're on podbean we're on stitcher spreaker player fm we're even on youtube we're on spotify go and find us on any of the podcasting apps subscribe to us leave us a rating leave us a review and follow us on the social at btr boxing pod and btr boxing podcast so, this is it. This is the preview for Terence Crawford versus Amir King Khan this weekend over in New York City. Really looking forward to this fight as the fight grows ever closer. I'm starting to wonder how this is going to go down, and in today's episode, I'm going to break down for you what I think is going to happen in this fight. We're going to talk about each men's careers up to date and we're going to be talking about keys to victory for both men and as always I'm going to give a prediction in this one and as you've gathered already at this point it is just myself covering this one today so I'm going to get through this as quickly as possible and I'm going to look forward to speaking about another good fight coming up this weekend as well. So let's get into the meat of this particular episode then. I'm going to obviously talk about Terence Crawford first and foremost because this is billed as Crawford Khan so I'm going to talk about Crawford's career first and foremost and find out a little bit more about what's been going on and give more of an insight into what's been going on in his career today with this fight with Khan because he is considered one of the pound for pound best fighters on the planet at the moment and there, there is good justification for that and we'll talk about that but there's also things that we're forgetting about his opponent which is Mr Amir Khan who we're going to talk about as well so I'd like to bring both sort of points of view up in this episode today. So we'll talk about his career and let's look at Crawford, let's look at really sort of where he broke onto the scene he debuted in 2008 uh, and went on to have a successful victories, KO's, TKO's unanimous decision victories and it wasn't really until we got to 2014 where we actually got to see Terence Crawford break onto the main stage when he fought Ricky Burns for Ricky Burns' WBO title and I remember when he came to, to Scotland for that fight Nobody really knew who he was because he, he hadn't been given the mainstream audience over in the UK. He was well known in America, but in the UK, not a lot of people really knew him apart from the hardcore fans. So when he came over, it was like there's this unknown quantity, and you know Sky Sports were obviously talking him up as a you know a potential big threat. And on that night, he looked brilliant and completely outboxed Ricky Burns. And I, you know this is where really I started to think this guy is you know he started to look something special. But how will he do over his next few fights? Where will he go? He continues on. He beats Eucarus Gamboa, raymondo Beltron He's beat Thomas Delorme. And then he's beat people like Dier Jean, Henry Lunde, an undefeated Victor Postol in 2016, John Molina Jr., Felix Diaz, Julius Ndongo, which is a stunning knockout, Jeff Horn, And then in his last fight, Jose Benavides Jr. And now we're looking at him up in the welterweight division. So we've seen him move from lightweight to super lightweight to welterweight which is where he stands at the moment now he's not been in the welterweight division that long this is actually going to be his third fight at welterweight his first being against jeff horn where he beat for the wbo welterweight title which horn had relinquished of pacquiao so this is it's really interesting uh really interesting sort of talk about terence crawford because he is being regarded as a pound for pound fighter and some people have him you know even in their top th- top two, top, even top one. Some people have him as the pound for pound best fighter at the moment and I can I can understand why people are saying that but does I'd, I'd probably put other people's resumes and performances over Terence Crawford. I don't think Crawford for me is a pound for pound number one fighter but he's definitely a top five pound for pound fighter, that's for sure. I can't argue with that fact. Obviously you've got to look at the fact that he's been up into his third weight and won a title in three different weight categories now. So he won the World lightweight title he's won a super lightweight title and he's now won a welterweight title so I'm not going to argue that fact I really am not the one thing that I think about Crawford when I look at his career is I don't feel his resume when you actually match this up against Amir Khan's resume it's I don't think it's as good I'm being totally honest. If you look at Khan's resume against Crawford's resume, I think you find that Khan's actually got the better resume, the better quality and level of fighters that he's been in with overall throughout of his career. And there's, there's actually quite a few people slightly backing Khan in this one. I mean, we know Khan, and we'll talk about Khan in a few moments, but people are starting to back Khan in this one, because he has got the potential skill set to, to dethrone someone like Terence Crawford. There is obviously a lot of fragilities that we've seen of Cairns in the past, which makes Cairns' fights very exciting. However, we have seen him performed to the highest level and beat some of the f- most feared fighters in the relative divisions so for me this is, you know you can't really just say this is going to be a washover fight so Crawford's career so far today is is really stacking up really well free weight world champion he's beat champions he's beat former champions undefeated fighters he, he has had uh, a good apprenticeship ...at the moment... ...and I think it will get better... ...if he can get past Khan... ...and I've read in the build-up to this... ...that you know, he considers Khan to be a legitimate threat... Uh, and, ...and a fight he must win obviously a fight he must get through to prove how good he really is so he obviously considers khan you know as a as a, as a legitimate world fighter and a world-class fighter and someone who maybe people are saying he's on the decline who, who isn't so this is going to be an interesting fight i think and the styles of both men are going to really really gel i think and we're going to get an exciting fight so let's talk about amir khan's career then obviously it's well documented what sort of career amir khan's had and for for most people that listen to this podcast you know you probably. The UK based listeners, so you'll have seen his career over the years. We've seen him obviously get a silver medal in the 2004 Olympics, we've seen him come in in 2005 make his debut. He's been in some brilliant fights over the years, some brilliant fights. He's had a great apprenticeship, he's had some ups, he's had some major downs. And for me, the, if you look at the names on his record, you know, you've got the likes of Marco Antonio Barrera. Yes, I know. It was a very faded Marco Antonio Barrera. Katelnik, who he won his first world title against. Dimitris Salita, who was undefeated at the time. He beat Pauly Malinardi. You beat Marcus Maidana in what was probably one of the best performances I've seen of Cairns. The 2010 Marcus Maidana fight was was fantastic. He's beat Zab Judah. Lam- he got beat off Lamont Peterson. He's been in the ring with Danny Garcia. He's beat the likes of Carlos Molina, Julio Diaz. He's been in the ring with Luis Collazo, Devin Alexander, Chris Algieri, Sal Canelo Alvarez. And then most recently, Phil LeGreco and Samuel Vargas. So if you look at the resume of Amir Cairns you know it really does sort of stack up against a lot of the fighters in that division in terms of the fighters they've been in with they've been in some absolute quality fighters and i've not even mentioned some of the great domestic fighters he's been in with as well he's been in some great tests with some of the domestic fighters here in the uk so for me he's had a really accomplished resume and i don't think it will be fully appreciated until he actually calls it a day and that that for me is a crying shame because people slag American off yeah he's chinny is this and he's that but actually if you you know you look back on what he's actually achieved in the sport he's achieved a hell of a lot in the sport i've Felt like in his last couple of fights, which I'm going to talk about now, Lagreco we couldn't really make anything out of it because he blew him away really quickly. But the Samuel Vargas fight told me a lot about sort of where Khan is at the moment. And, and for me, it kind of felt like I don't want to say he's 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 on the slide, but I do feel like he's I do feel like he's declining a little bit as a fighter. And we've got to remember now he's 32, so he isn't getting any younger. Age will catch up with him. He has suffered some bad knockout losses. Will they affect him? It's difficult to 100% ascertain if that's the cause of why he's on the decline or whether it is just his heart maybe he isn't in it as much as it once was three or four years before you've got to remember when he fought Alvarez he jumped up two weights and and in some people's eyes was winning that fight until he got brutally knocked out and then he had two years out of the game before he came back in 2018 and fought Le Greco and then fought Vargas and now he's going in with arguably one of the best in the world against Terence Crawford so he's one thing you can say about Khan, he's never ducked anybody, he really hasn't never ducked any fighters at all, and that for me has got to be one of the greatest credits to him, is the fact that he's been in with the who's who of boxing, you know, in in them weight categories and I think he's done a, a fantastic job of showing us that he's got bollocks, and regardless of whether you love him or whether you hate him, the guy has delivered, the guy has given us some great nights, the guy has given us some nights where you felt like, oh, you wanted to see him get knocked out, and he has got knocked out but you can't really argue with what he's done in boxing, to be fair. And this is a it's a difficult one to say because I don't know where he is at mentally in his head and I'm never going to know that. But... I'm guessing that this is his last major shot at becoming a world champion again and having that last shot at the glory again before maybe he calls it a day, because I think if he loses to Crawford and loses badly to Crawford then you're probably going to see him retire maybe, I don't know if he'll go out on on one win or, I I can't see it to be honest I really can't, I think if he loses he'll probably go out uh, fighting one of the best that potentially they they could be in the world and, and you don't know where Crawford's career will go, he could be, you know, one of the greatest of all time. We don't know, it remains to be seen. But he could go out after this fight and he could still go out if he won. We don't know what's going to happen. So let me have a look then and and talk about where I think the keys to victory are for both fighters in this one. Terence Crawford, fantastic counterpuncher, brilliant boxer. I think timing is going to be the key for Terence Crawford in this fight. The timing and the quickness of his counter shots are absolutely fantastic and I think that's going to play a big part in this fight. We know Amir Khan, we know how aggressive and come forward he is as a fighter and he throws punches in bunches, combinations, very quick all it takes though is a perfectly timed shot to take him off balance, to take him out of his stride. We've seen it happen to Khan on multiple occasions, so we know that he's kind of suspect for that to happen to him. But when we get to sort of Khan and we talk about Khan's keys to victory, we can talk about how how he's going to have to overcome that issue because that is a big issue, really. I think with Terence Crawford's boxing ability and his counter punching, is you know how how do you avoid that as a fighter? How how can you avoid trying to come in and be the aggressor in a fight without getting a, a shot? Do you know what I mean? Without a link? Like getting caught with a shot off a great counter punch, how do you do that? I don't know, I don't know, I'm, I'm not i am not a fighter, I don't know, I don't know how you would be able to get in, land enough shots without getting caught on the way out, he's going to have to be on top, top form to be able to get out of Crawford's counter shots, because Crawford, if he lands them shots and although he's not being known as a concussive puncher, and we know Khan is suspect to, 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 to taking blows, and when he does take blows, he seems to start to, the wheel start to fall off don't they really you look at the fights he's been in you know all of a sudden when he takes a big blow you think it to yourself he's going to go down here he's going to go down someone you know he's going to go in for the kill and I think that's where where Crawford will will capitalise if he's going to win this fight he's going to go in for the kill where he sees an opportunity if he catches Khan on the way in with a great shot and he wobbles Khan a little bit and you see that visibly hurting Khan, then he's going to go in for the kill and I think he will finish the fight and that's something I'll talk about in the predictions section of the episode but you've got to look at the way he's been able to emphatically finish some of his fights Crawford you look at the fights in particular with Jeff Horn and Julius and Dongo quite recently they were perfect examples of what I'm referring to the way he was able to get them counter shots in and finish them fights with a flurry of punches you know that's what worries me for for Amir Khan and and for me key to victory obviously with with Terence Crawford is he's going to have to time Amir Khan as soon as he tries to come in and as soon as he gets a shot off we're going to know whether or not Khan's well equipped for this he should be because he's been in there with counter punches before, he's been in there with southpaws before, it's going to be a a real interesting first few rounds I think and that's what I'll be discussing again shortly when I talk about how the fight's going to go down so let's talk about Khan then He's the Victor if he can. I mean, how would you beat a counter puncher? How do you get in and get out without taking a shot? It is very difficult. It is very difficult. But one thing Yami Khan can do is because of his speed, and he's still got his speed, he is able to get in and out of the pocket. He's just got to make sure that he gets himself out of range quick enough to not take a shot on the way out. And that's the difficult part of, of his job in this fight, is is he needs to be the aggressor. He needs to get punches in bunches. And, and smother Crawford's work not give Crawford the opportunity to land a counter punch, if he's smothering him with you know 1-2 head body, then for me it's going to be difficult for Crawford Crawford might have to fight a lot more on the inside in this fight, because Carr might not let him he might not give him the range, so we might see a completely different fight than what people expect here but I do genuinely think for Khan to get victory in this one, he really has to be very very cautious and careful on the way in, and if he goes in gung-ho, he's likely to get caught. So for me, I think... Keys to victory for both men, we've got a counter puncher uh, we've got a very fast combination puncher who can get in and get out, it just depends on what sort of reflexes, what sort of agility and the speed that he's left in Khan as a fighter as to whether he can get in and out enough because I think a few years ago, you know if you would have been talking a few years in terms of Khan's career, I think we probably would have, I probably would have picked Khan initially my I Martin to, to, to beat Crawford in this one, I think I would and I'd like to go and move on to sort of the breakdown of the fight and what I think is going to go down in this fight, Uh, genuinely I want to see how he can do well Uh, I'd like him to win, I'm a British Fan and British fight fan, I'd like Khan to win. I think he deserves one more shot of glory. I think I think people don't appreciate what he's done in boxing and for British boxing, and they won't appreciate him until he is gone and out of the sport. I think that's when people will really start to appreciate him. On the other hand, I also like what Crawford's done and the way he's built his career, uh, and I'd like to see the next generation of fighters come through. And obviously Crawford is one of them. He'll be around for a few more years after Khan's gone, so it's difficult because obviously I want to see a British fighter still do well but then in the same sense I know that Crawford's got a few years left and Khan probably hasn't so we'll we'll see but in terms of the fight itself I think it's going to be a cagey few first rounds and I think Khan's going to come out in Khan fashion he's going to come out and try to overload Crawford in the fight and he's going to try to put his stamp of authority on the fight quite quickly because he's going to need to get the respect of Crawford immediately Crawford will respect him regardless but he won't show him respect when they step between the ropes he will know exactly what to do in terms of timing can when he comes in, they'll have watched tapes of him, they'll have seen mistakes he's made and they'll be looking to capitalise on their mistakes because the one thing Can has is bad habits, he does have quite a few bad habits and I don't think they'll have been trained out of him, I don't think that's going to have happened, so I think Crawford's going to have watched these tapes and thinks to himself I may just let the first couple of rounds slide by, get a gauge find my range and then throw the shot and I think we'll see Can maybe come out the aggressor for the first couple of rounds and as the rounds start to go on sort of mid rounds we're going to start to see Crawford getting through more landing more counter shots and I think we're looking at a mid to late period where potentially Crawford could land a big enough and hard enough shot to really hurt Khan. Now if he wobbles him and he hurts him it's when he goes in for the kill that's going to be the the deciding factor really because I don't think he's got the one as I've said I don't think he's got the one punch concussive knockout power so I can't see him just stopping him off one punch but what I can see is him hurting Khan, maybe backing him to the ropes and throwing a flurry of combinations prompting the ref to step in. That's what I can see happening in the fight. I think that's more likely to be the outcome. So in terms of predictions then for the fight, I think you've probably already kind of guessed what I think is going to happen in this fight. I think we're going to see an early onslaught from Amir Khan as we do in these big fights but then I think as the fight starts to go on I think Crawford's going to start to unlock the puzzle of Amir Khan and he is going to get through and he is going to hurt him and I'm expecting a mid to late stoppage for Terence Crawford in this fight, fair play to Khan if he if he doesn't get the victory on Saturday and he decides to retire I, I'll probably support him to be honest with you, I'd probably be more than happy for him to call it a day because I don't think I'd want to see him uh, at this highest level once more time, I think I'd like to see him go out with all his faculties intact uh, and not end up hurt or seriously injured and I wouldn't want that to be in this particular fight, I think for Crawford as well, let's not look I don't want to make it sound like I'm a, I'm a bit of a Khan ass licker because I'm not, I like the guy, I I like what he's done for the sport. I like the fact that he's a British fighter and what he's done for British boxing. But I'm also a boxing fan in general and I like to see the next generation of fighters come through and get into the big fights. And I think Crawford and the likes of Furman and Spence and Pacquiao are all around and I'd like to see them type of fighters if I'm being totally honest with you. So that's my assessment of this particular fight, the crawford can fight. So this is going to be a double-header episode because I'm going to also cover off Dave Allen and Lucas Brown in this particular one I was going to initially do a separate episode yesterday but I didn't feel like it warranted a separate episode on this occasion I felt like we could cover this off in in one episode for Thursday and, and, and cover this particular fight off because let's be honest nobody really is majorly excited about the fact that Dave Allen and Lucas Brown are going at it in a headline event on a matchroom show on Saturday night not a lot of people uh, uh, I can't really say anyone that I know is excited about this fight. Now, that's no disrespect to any of the two fighters, Brown and Allen, because this is the type of fight you'd expect to see on a bigger, a bigger undercard. But yet, yeah, it's the main event of of a matchroom show on a Saturday night, and this kind just comes down to like we've talked about previously on episodes about the matchroom quality shows in the UK dropping. And you know, I, I sound really harsh here, but I think I'm speaking the truth. I think I'm speaking for a lot of people when I say that that this shouldn't really be a head headline headline fight but it is and we're getting it and it's a heavyweight fight and we've always we've always loved dave allen and you know we've loved him or we've hated him or we felt he's a lazy bastard or whatever we think about him he's always been a character of the sport so far and even still at his age he's still pretty young at 27 in terms of fighting he's had 60 wins four losses and two draws on his record i feel like there's potential that that has not been unlocked by dave allen and i'm going to talk about a little bit of dave allen's career first before i move on to To Lucas Brown, so let's look at Dave Allen. And obviously, earlier on in his career, you know, he looked like a great prospect. And the first fight we seen him in, where it was a good crossroads fight, was the Dillian White fight in 2016, when Dillian White, obviously coming back off his loss to Anthony Joshua, coming back and rebuilding, came in against Dave Allen. Uh, I would believe I think he took this fight on short notice, from what I remember. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I'm sure he took this one at quite short notice, or maybe it was the. Fight, but this fight with Ilian White, he's just shown how much heart and desire he's got, and and how much of a bloody hard head the guy's got as well to be in there, he lasted the distance it was the vacant WBC international heavyweight title, Adillion White one on points and then six months down the line he fights Luis Ortiz, one of the best fighters on the planet, you know regarded as one of the best heavyweight fighters in the world still to date, so he goes in uh, and gets a TKO loss to Luis Ortiz, comes back, has a couple of fights and then we see him in against Lenroy Thomas, uh, he loses a split decision because that was the clash of heads which led to the cut which was uh, disappointing I um, know oh actually that was the second fight, the first fight he just lost a, a split decision because it was it wasn't a great performance, a very laboured performance and, and something we'll get into about him in a few moments, then he comes back, he beats Tom Dallas with a great KO win it was the next fight with Illinois Thomas I was thinking of when he had the, the cut where it looked like it was going to be a quite tasty affair uh, so we got a technical draw on that one uh, he comes back again, got another victory over uh, David Howe, journeyman goes in against Tony Oka, Against Tony Yoker, KO's Nick Webb, KO's Samir Nebo, and in his last fight beats Bracamonte when Bracamonte's kind of pulled him out. So, in terms of resume, he's actually got some great fighters on that resume. You think of what Dillian White's gone on to do, you think about what Ortiz has gone on to do in terms of his big fight with Wilder and, and where we might see him go, you know, in the next 18 months. And then he got a win against Nick Webb, who's undefeated. He fought Tony Yoker, who obviously former Olympian turned pro, uh, also now known as a of a drugs cheat but he's been in with some great opponents and now he goes in against Lucas Brown whose only defeat was Stedillion White last year so this is going to be a real interesting fight for, for Dave Allen he he does look in real good shape now people if you're listening uh, and you haven't seen the shape he's in he looks he looks good and that's one thing that people have criticised him for in his career is sometimes he doesn't turn up in the best of shape for fight but yet can still grind his way out for a fight and that's what I've kind of appreciated about him as a fighter is that no matter what shape he's in he still manages to stay in there and he doesn't get completely embarrassed by the fighter he's in the ring with and that's what i think the personality side of it is what i love about him as well he's just an absolute hilarious character i want to see him do well i want to see him do well i don't ever think he's going to be a world beater don't get me wrong i'm not deluded i think he could be a british champion one day definitely, definitely got the potential he's now linked up with Darren Barker who's coaching him, so he's had a few changes recently, he went to Adam Boo, tried something with Adam Boo, didn't really seem to work out, now he's gone to Darren Barker looks in great shape, looks like he's motivated, looks like his head's in the right place mentally, and he looks really up for this Lucas Brown fight, so we're going to see Saturday night what happens with Dave Allen, this could be a real step in the right direction for his career if he beats Brown now Lucas Brown, we've talked about before obviously when he fought Dillian White last year we did an episode on on their fight. Lucas Brown before he fought White was undefeated. He'd been obviously on a ban, come back and got himself victory, and then come back and fought Dillian White. looked he looked out of shape. Let's be honest, he looked out of shape in that fight, and he didn't look great. He looked very sluggish. He got KO'd, literally KO'd, completely knocked out, face down on the floor. I didn't think I'd see him back, to be honest. I really didn't. And then he fought Camille Sokolowski quite recently as well. And and he didn't look all that great in that fight, to be honest, as well. It was only a small... I think it was only a four-round fight up in Scotland on on a Sam Kinnick show. But he didn't look great in that. And I think he pretty much got gifted a decision there, to be honest. And yet, he comes in now against Dave Allen, who I think he is in a very motivated place now Lucas Brown obviously we know about his career we know he was a former world champion he held a portion of the world title Uh, he's been in I can't say he's been in some great fights because he hasn't and I'm I'm not being disrespectful to him but he hasn't been in any great fights he's he's, I can't say I've seen him look in in a phenomenal shape either I don't I haven't really got a chance to see him this week but I'll get to see him tomorrow on the scales and, and I'm sure he'll be in the sort of similar shape that he's always in but maybe not as sluggish and ...fat-locking as he did against Dillian White... ...I hope not anyway... ...because I want a really good competitive fight... ...personally on, on Saturday night... ...I'd like to see these two guys really go at it... ...and you know I'd like to see what the outcome of that is... ...and for, for, for the winner of this particular fight... ...where did he go from here... ...I mean if Dave Allen wins he's putting himself right out there to potentially fight for a, a, at least a British title in the future. Surely, surely he's got to be given the opportunity to fight for a British title in the future. And then if Lucas Brown wins, he's going to want to push himself right back up to world level again. He's going to want to start going in with, you know, maybe one of the top 10 guys and giving himself one more last shot at opportunity. But you've got to remember, the guy's just turned 40, so... The forty-year-old against the twenty-seven-year-old. If Alan is as motivated as what he seems, you know, I I think we could see a turning point in his career, and we'll talk about. Keys to victory for this fight. Keys to victory for this particular fight. We've got Dave Allen, who who can hit pretty hard, and he's shown he can hit pretty hard, and he can also take blows as well. I've not seen him being concussively really hurt in any of the fights where uh, the Tony Yorker fight in particular, where he was stopped, and the Ortiz fight where he stopped, he wasn't concussively hurt. He was just, he, he was stopped because the referee jumped in because they felt like he was taking too many punches, but Allen just looked like he could carry on. And that's the thing with him. He's just one tough guy. And I think that's what so people also appreciate him is he's just a genuine throwback fighter, as in he just he just, just, carries on walking through it. He carries on. The guy, man, he's got a granite chin. It's not, not like Kyle Fortress chin at heavyweight. It's ridiculous, the amount of punches I've seen him take. So here's a victory then for Dave Allen what is it? what has he got to do? well if if Lucas Brown has got anything left the one thing he has got left is a punch he can bang, he can hurt people he can knock people out the one thing Dave Allen needs to do is to stay away from that right hand and he needs to get underneath the jab and he needs to get underneath the shots of Lucas Brown and throw his own right hand over the top if he can get his own right hand over the top I think we could potentially see a a knockout from Dave Allen but he has to make sure he he doesn't give Lucas Brown the reign that he needs because Lucas Brown is the taller fighter he has got the reach advantage slightly on Dave Allen so he is going to look to use it but I think Dave Allen if he gets on Lucas Brown's chest and, and, and pounds into the body throws a few overhand rights over the top gets underneath his jab gets underneath his longer arms he's got a potential to win this fight for Lucas Brown as I've just really as I've just said you've just heard me say if, if he wants to win he's got to keep Dave Allen at range he's got to keep him on the end of that jab all night and just Vladimir Klitschko style performance just keep him at the end of a jab, throw the odd right hand here and there and you'll probably win the fight no problem. And in terms of of a prediction for the fight, how do I see it going down? Uh, I actually see this going down... The distance, and I don't know why. I, I just have this feeling that these two guys will end up going to the to the full full. I think it's a ten rounds or a twelve rounds. I'm not too sure, but I think it's going to go the distance. It's, I just checked now; it's a twelve round fight, so I think he's actually going to go twelve rounds. It really wouldn't surprise me. And Dave Allen looks in great shape. I've said that. I don't know what Lucas Brown looks like yet, so I can't comment. But if Dave Allen looks in great shape and he could go them twelve rounds, we could see him grind out a decision win <laughs> This is going to be interesting. Actually, I don't. don't think it like i say justifies being the the headline act of, of the matchroom show on saturday night and do i see anything else on that card being the headline act to be honest with you no i don't and i'll discuss that discuss that with you now, now I've done the prediction for the Alan Brown fight, I'll quickly touch on, on that and, and talk about the card so on the card we've also got a fight which I think will be probably a decent fight on the card, which will be Joe Cordina and Andy Townend for the British Lightweight title so Joe Cordina's going for the British Lightweight title in only his ninth professional contest, which is a, an absolutely fantastic achievement if he picks that up a real great achievement, but he's fighting a guy in Andy Townend who can actually really bang although I feel his skill set is not at the same level of Cordina's I still feel he would give Cordino a fantastic text and could could potentially cause the upset here on Saturday night we've got David Chisora against Senad Gashi on the undercard of this as well Chisora still plodding away still looking for, for for that one last big payday I mean I don't really think there's anything left to see with Chisora I don't really see what else there is for him to do in boxing now I think he's achieved whatever he wanted to achieve and I can't see anything more for him so I'm not not Really interested in the Chisora 5 and being totally honest. It, it, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lose sleep over it if I miss it. I'll try and catch it but I ain't going to lose sleep over it if I miss it because I don't think it's going to be an entertaining fight Josh Kelly going into his nine professional contest as well fighting a 17-0 fighter uh, I can't pronounce his name uh, I think it's ranoski Polish fighter in uh, ranoski's he's fighting he who's 17-0 so again I don't really know much about his opponent so I can't comment on whether he's actually of any quality but one thing I would like to touch on really with the Josh Kelly situation is the fact that he was supposed to have an insian at the back end of last year he pulled out last minute uh, with illness, and look what Avan did to Lezharaga a couple of weeks ago. It makes me wonder whether they seen a little bit of what Avan has got left in the tank and felt like it was maybe too soon for Josh Kelly. Now that's an interesting potential matchup down the line. Connor Ben's back on this card as well. We've got Nikita Abibi Ab- 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 as well. can't pronounce Abibi? Abibi? Ab- Ab- I don't know. We've <laughs> got Sam Cox and then we've got Shannon Courtney on the card as well. So, it's not the greatest of cards in the world. I'm not going to lie. It's a, a, a pretty bang average card and i think what it what it's lacking is a couple of bigger marquee names maybe on the headline event. I think that's what's probably lacking in this card. However, it could still bring up some, some great fights on the night and I could be sat here eating my words and, and doing a reaction show next week going, actually, this was a fantastic card even though I sat here and slated on Thursday. The thing is, you don't really know what you're going to get on paper. You look at a lot of the cards and you think, right, well, it's prospects against journeyman or guy that's been to the highest level they can get to against a journeyman guy who's sticking around for too long against a journeyman and then you've got Dave Allen who's going in against Lucas Brown which I think like I say it's for me probably the best fight of the night on the card although Joe Cardino and town and could be a show stealer and that's of my genuine, honest opinion on on that particular on that particular show. Uh, in terms of Crawford Khan, I think uh, if I remember right, uh, I don't know if there's any good undercard fights on that. I know Teofimo Lopez is in action this weekend. Danny Garcia is in action this weekend as well. So there's a couple of other fights to catch up on on there. But I, I haven't really got anything more to add with the sort of predictions breakdowns for for, for the two main fights that I'm looking forward to uh, over the weekend. And I think really just wanted to take the last few minutes. of of this particular episode just to thank everybody that's been voting for us in the British Podcast Awards. I've said it a few times in the past few episodes that you know it's really appreciated and we don't expect to get to to, to the top because we know we're fighting against guys like the Fight Disciples and Ringside Toe to Toe and even that dreaded Pound for Pound podcast with all their financial backing and companies they've got behind them, we haven't got that but for us to be truly independent and to be able to push ourselves you know even if we got ourselves in the top 15 I'd be absolutely buzzing to bits with it and I'm sure Geordie would and I'm sure all the other guys I've been on as guest hosts will be and the listeners will be because you know you, know, you get these podcasts out there and, and a lot of them do completely waffle shit. And I think one of the things I pride myself on, and I know Geordie does with this podcast, is that we try to bring you a complete variety of different podcast content. So you, you would have listened to the Promoter Life with Tony told a couple of days ago. You know, we've got the the Eury Night series where we've had Hatton and Zoo on recently and then the next one's going to be Frotch and Groves 1. So there's so much content coming up and so many plans to get more fighters on for another season of one to watch it's you know i i really pride myself on all that stuff and you know i appreciate the feedback that people have given to us through the various podcasting outlets so apple podcast is usually quite a big one because most people have iphones these days so if you are an apple podcast and you've not subscribed to us please go and do it please leave us a rating and leave us a review and let other people know what you think of this podcast because if you think it's actually all right then it'd be great for other people to see that because other people will look at that review and go actually i might give this a subscribe and i might have a listen to a few episodes, and then they can judge for them themselves, and then actually then we might get more people giving that word of mouth out, because that's one of the biggest things word of mouth and social media are the two biggest things in today's age where it helps guys like us get ourselves to, to to a different level in terms of podcasting so yeah, I wanted to thank everybody who's put the votes in for that, uh, I also wanted to give thanks to a few of the co-hosts that I've been on recently we've had Greg Darrell with Legendary Knights. Uh, we've also obviously had Jordy back on for the previous episode, so it was Great to get Geordie back on. He will be back. We'll, we'll get him on for the next episode. Uh, I am looking forward to getting another episode out to you next week of Legendary Nights. And I'm also looking forward to doing another special episode. Something I've been planning to do for a long time. And a great subject to talk about. Which is the biggest boxing upsets in history. So you're talking about your Tyson Douglas. You're talking about some of the greatest fights uh, that have been upsets in history. I once so much so say greatest fights in terms of quality but I'm saying the ones that have been more of the biggest upsets in boxing history so really excited to get that out for you as well. So, that's it from me I hope you've enjoyed the episode I hope I've been able to give you some informative insights, I hope I've been able to give you some opinions. If you got any questions or you've got any opinions to fire over to myself then you know where to find me I'm on Twitter, I'm vocal I'm at Sean Basto ESPR, we're also at BTR Boxing Pod. If you've not followed the Sleep Boxing Repeats media platform, follow us because guess what? Elliot Stott's going to be down at the Alan Brown fight on Saturday night covering it for us. So check out our social channels. There'll be a few shots on there and there'll be a few action shots uh, of stuff that's going on at the event and maybe we might even see some interviews come out of that as well. So guys, thank you so much as always for listening to BTR Boxing Podcast and we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>